G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. The Holy Spirit has come to convict us of our sin. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that the Holy Spirit points us to the Saviour and points out our need for a Saviour. Before we can appreciate the solution, we have to see the real problem. So we need to be convicted by the Spirit because there's no conversion without conviction. So God has sent His Holy Spirit to convince us of our sin. This is the day when the lost are found. buy products to solve problems we don't have. Why would you buy a flea collar if you don't have a pet? But there are many people who have a problem they're not yet aware of. They're afflicted with the good enough syndrome. They're convinced they're good enough to get to heaven. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that the Holy Spirit shows us our sin, shows us its penalty, and shows us our need for a solution. It's life-saving information. All right, well, we're back in the Gospel of John again. So turn there in your Bible, if you would. John 16, and the title of my message is The Holy Spirit and You, Part Two. Or if you're French, Part Du. <laughs> Second part, we already did a little message on this earlier. So here's a quick review of what we already saw. And then we'll look at what we're gonna see here in John 16. Number one, we already discovered together the Holy Spirit has come to indwell the believer and to seal us. He's come to indwell us and seal us. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So these things happen to us when we believe. I don't think we realize all the incredible things that transpired when we became a Christian. Because you didn't feel it necessarily, but I'm telling you, it was such a dramatic shift, it's hard to even wrap your mind around. For starters, you passed from darkness to light. Uh, for starters, you became a citizen of heaven instead of a citizen, effectively, of hell. For starters, all of your sin was forgiven, and if that's not enough, you were justified, which means God took all of your sins and He forgave them, and He put the righteousness of Christ into your account, and then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You were signed, sealed, delivered by God Himself. And when you become a Christian, you have that inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. 
Here's what Romans 8 says in verse 15. You've not received a spirit of adoption like fearful slaves. Instead you've received God's spirit who has adopted you, made you one of his own children. Now we say Abba, Father, and his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. Do you know what I'm talking about right now? That inner conviction. You say, Greg, how do you know you're a Christian? I just know. I know because God's Holy Spirit lives inside of me and He confirms it to me. And then hopefully there's fruit or results in my life that would demonstrate that to others as well. Of course, this is based on the promise of the Word of God. But there is that inner conviction of the Spirit. And if you don't know right now, please do not leave this service tonight without knowing that you know. And I'll tell you how that can happen for you. What else does the Holy Spirit do in the life of the believer? He teaches us because Jesus said in John 14, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. You know, you can read the Bible as a historical document. It is historical. But you can also read it as God's living book. You know, the Bible says of itself that it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I love what Martin Luther said about the Bible. He said, the Bible has hands, it takes hold of me. It has feet, it chases after me. And have you ever had a time where you open up the Word of God and ask for direction and ask for insight and it just came alive to you? That's the Holy Spirit teaching you. And then there were times when you were in a conversation with someone and a whole passage opened up that you started quoting that you don't even remember consciously memorizing, but there it was. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Number three, the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers in obedience to God. He helps me in my prayers and my obedience to God. Jesus said over there in John 14, if you love me and obey my commandments, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. And he's referring to the Holy Spirit. You may say, well, Greg, I don't feel like I have the power to live the Christian life. You're wrong. If you've asked Christ to come into your life, you have all the power that you need. You just need to learn how to step on the accelerator and put the pedal to the metal. Because I'm telling you, the horsepower is there. The spirit power is there. So we need to unleash it in our lives. And I'm not suggesting we're waiting for an emotional experience. I don't know where we come up with this idea that whenever we ask God to fill us with the Spirit, we have to feel something. Or, okay, let's pray for God to fill us with the Spirit. Turn the lights down. Why? Is the Holy Spirit afraid of lights or something? <laughs> you can do it with the lights on. When you get up in the morning, before you even put your feet on the ground, say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Do you have an emotional experience when you put gas in your car? <laughs> or if you have an electric car, do you have an emotional experience when you plug it into the wall? If you're standing in water, you might have an experience. <laughs> no, you just put gas in your car, you plug in your car, or whatever it is. And so the same thing is true of asking God to fill us. You might feel something, you might feel nothing, it doesn't matter. Because Jesus says the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those that dim the lights and wait for an emotional experience. <laughs> no, he said the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. So what do you need to do? Ask him. And then receive it. And he'll give you the power you need. Romans 8.13 says, It's through the power of the Spirit you can put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. 
For those that are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The power is there. Number four, the Holy Spirit empowers me for service. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now you see these disciples, when he was sharing these things, didn't have the spirit in them yet because Jesus was still there. But after Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, he appeared to them in the upper room, remember? And he said, peace be to you, and the reason he would say that is people always freaked out when they saw him risen from the dead. So he had to start with, hey, peace, guys. It's cold, chill. It's all right, okay? Don't have a heart attack. Peace be to you. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them, and the Holy Spirit came in them. But then on the day of Pentecost, in Acts 1-8, we read that the Holy Spirit of God came upon them. Because the Bible says you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So when you believe he comes in you, then He will come upon you to give you the boldness you need to share the gospel. Okay, so that's what the Spirit does in the life of the believer. Thanks for joining us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg has been pointing out what God's Spirit does in the life of the believer. It's from his message called The Holy Spirit and You. Let's continue. What does he want to do in the life of the non-believer? That brings us to John 16. Number one, the Holy Spirit has come to convict us of our sin. You could also just interchange the word convince with convict. He's come to convince us of our sin. Verse eight, John 16, when he has come, he will convict or convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You see, one's ignorance of sin, righteousness, and judgment can bring their destruction. So God has sent His Holy Spirit to make the non-believer aware of this. Before we can appreciate the solution, we have to see the real problem. So we need to be convicted by the Spirit. Because there's no conversion without conviction. Being a Christian is not just living a better life. Jesus is not just helpful. He's our only hope. He has not come to improve our life. He comes to save our life. And so we need to realize that only the Holy Spirit can show us our real need. You know, it's interesting that the word convict means to cross-examine. To cross-examine. Have you ever been cross-examined? Maybe you've been arrested, interrogated by an officer. Maybe you have a mother, which is similar to an officer. (laughs) If you were out late, where have you been? What have you been doing? Empty your pockets. I'm gonna give you a polygraph test. Mom, you have a polygraph now? Yes, I do. Look me in the eyes, right? The Holy Spirit has come to cross-examine us with the purpose of convicting or refuting an opponent. He doesn't come to just convict the world in general, but to specifically show them they're lacking in the righteousness they need to get to heaven. This is a very important distinction. It's not just sins in general. The Holy Spirit has come to show you the biggest sin of all, the sin of self-righteousness. And in its place, God wants to give you His righteousness. I bring this up because every time you turn around, uh, people are thinking that they get to heaven by good works. You know. 
I guess I don't expect non-believers to know much about this, but when I hear Christians, or at least professed believers, still subscribing to an idea like this, it just seems insane to me, but people do still think this, that, well, you know, if you live a good life, you'll get to heaven, and if you live a bad life, then you will go to hell. Listen, newsflash, there are good people that are gonna go to hell, and there are bad people that are gonna go to heaven. So, well, that makes no sense at all. Well, it's biblical. Let me explain. Being a good person will not get you to heaven. You can be a good person, but if you think you're so good you don't know Jesus, you can end up in hell. And you can be a bad person, a very bad person, but if you repent of your sin, even if it's on your deathbed, Christ will forgive you and let you into heaven. Because heaven is not for good people, it's for forgiven people. You say, well, where do you get that? It's called the thief on the cross. Remember that guy? And by the way, the word thief probably isn't even accurate. That's the word we use. But the word that is used in the original language implies a, a criminal guilty of a capital offense. He was probably a murderer, an insurrectionist, uh, trying to bring about the overthrow of Rome. So this is a bad dude. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise because the man said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So the Holy Spirit, number two now, has come to bring us to Jesus. He says in verse nine, I've come to convince them of sin because they do not believe in me. You know, it's interesting, sin, not sins. Sometimes we, I think in the church, major on minors. And by that I mean, we sort of get the cart before the horse. We'll kind of focus on lifestyle choices that are sinful and we'll harp on those things. Here's my objective. I want to establish a dialogue with a person regardless of what sinful choice they've made. So if they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend out of wedlock, or if they're gay, or if they're a liar or a thief, or all the above, you know, hey, I want to first talk to them about their need for Jesus, because this is the way I see it. If they'll come to Jesus, everything else will get sorted out. But if I focus on those things and never get around to telling them about Jesus, I can, in effect, drive them away. And I think a lot of times people think of the church as being against everything. And we're gonna speak out on what the Bible says and say what it says on whatever topic it is we're addressing. But our message is the gospel and we want people to believe and then their lives will change as a result. So the Holy Spirit has come to show us that, to bring us to Jesus. You know, it'd be like going to a doctor and saying, Doc, I have headaches. My head hurts all the time. Well, he can obviously say, go buy some Advil and that'll help, but then your headache will come back. So a good doctor isn't gonna just deal with the symptom, he's gonna deal with the cause, right? You know, maybe you, you're dehydrated or maybe there's another medical issue and after a series of tests that will be determined. But better to get to the root of it than just merely treating the symptoms. And so that is what the Holy Spirit has come to do to show us our need for Him. Listen, having said that, the Holy Spirit will not force us to believe in Jesus. I do not believe in irresistible grace. That is taught by Calvinists. I reject it. Why? 
because the idea of irresistible grace says you're predestined to believe if you really want to or not and that grace of God is irresistible so you're gonna come to Jesus if you want to or not. I beg to differ. I think you can resist the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, why do you think that? Well, because the Bible says so. Remember when Stephen was standing before the Sanhedrin? And he said, you stubborn people, you heathen at heart, you're deaf to the truth, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? It's interesting because he was addressing a group of spiritual leaders that knew the Word of God. And the implication in the verse there is that they knew it was true and were rejecting it regardless of that fact. He says, you're resisting the Spirit. You know what I'm saying is true, but you're choosing to not believe it. So it is resistible. Uh, verse 13, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak in his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he'll tell you what is to come. He'll bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. See, if you refuse to believe in Jesus, you're effectively calling the Holy Spirit a liar. Because 1 John 5.10 says, He that believes in the name of the Son of God has this witness in himself. He that does not believe has made him a liar because he has not believed the record that God has given of his Son. That's called insulting the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes and shows you you're a sinner and you need Jesus. And you say, I do not. I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. Oh, so you're calling him a liar? No, you're putting words in my mouth then. Actually, I'm not. Because if you're rejecting the work that the Holy Spirit has come to do to show you you're not righteous enough to get to heaven and show you that Jesus is the answer, you're effectively saying he's a liar. So God has sent his Holy Spirit to bring us to Jesus. Pastor Greg Laurie with important insight on the role of the Holy Spirit, not only in the lives of believers, but also in the hearts of unbelievers. And there's more to come in this study here on A New Beginning. Next time, Pastor Greg points out that the Spirit shows us our sin, then brings us to the Saviour. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Holy Spirit and You. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or at visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.